0: Chapter One, Memory. There is nothing quite like a treasure hunt, especially when it opens a story. There once was a four-year-old girl who emptied a large glass jar of buttons, examining them one by one. She placed them in piles, guessed which were the oldest, and pressed her fingers hard to imprint the holes upon her skin. Then she gathered them in scoops and filled her mother's sewing basket. After which, the jar accompanied her to a grove of pines, where her hands dug just deep enough in the dirt to bury it. There, she said, placing a letter in the glass and tightening the lid. For most people, memories begin formalization around three or four years old. Scientists, on the whole, state any earlier claims memory can't truly be substantiated. There are several reasons they give. Some say infants from birth to about four do not have the mental capacity for a kind of autobiographical recollection or memory storage in the first person. Some specialists studying memory and the brain say other animals also show signs of infantile amnesia. Maybe the amnesia is caused by the rapid development of brain cells, which essentially gets rid of unusable information while retaining essential information that helps with survival. According to a study, this is because new neurons disrupt older formatted brain circuits. To support this idea, scientists slowed neurogenesis in baby mice and found that by doing this they could force memories to last longer. Could it be possible then for memory to extend beyond the regular infantile amnesia? Is it possible for someone to have their brain function in a meditative state, which doesn't necessarily slow development in a way that is detrimental, but in a way that alters one's view of the world? Between bouts of screaming from colic, the little girl said she
1: fell into the air, like being the bird's songs, and I moved as a dust flake, floating in the sun's rays.
0: Essentially, she meditated right from the start. She mimicked the hum of the car in deep breaths of "Oh. It settled her. It vibrated in echoing harmony between her mind, ears, and heart. And she remembered. Her mind had a way of altering traditionally formed memories. She moved into life, not about it. In order not to feel wind stinging upon her skin, she says her spirit ran with it, it held on to the wings of bees and the sway of the clover, and the feel of the car upon the pavement. She held on to being wrapped in arms, the feel of the rubber nipples of the bottle as her mouth searched for the position. She remembered the touch of hands, and what it felt like to be carried or placed down, a sense of altitude shift. She listened to the beat of her heart, and the expansions and contractions of her lungs. Language wasn't needed to recall or create the memories. It was only a factor in communicating with people.
1: I had such a hard time getting the thoughts in my mind to translate properly, so I eventually practiced talking through pen and paper. Dear Flower Lady, Weird colors zigzag, and my eyes closed.
0: Age four. Her preschool teacher noted in a progress report from the early 70s, the little girl was a quiet child, but will talk of her life before this one. Something she'd remembered from before I showed up here. When asked about her states of quiet, stillness, or nature play, the little girl described it as
1: nothing. I am not thinking of anything, and everything comes through me. It doesn't stay in my mind. It's like watching the birds, or the flicker of flames, and everything flows. I flow with it. It doesn't attach to me. I am... All of it and all of nothing at the same time.
0: Meditation has impressive effects on the brain. It has been shown to help increase memory by strengthening brain systems and the hippocampus. But more importantly, it helps dissolve the division between oneself and the world. Where the passage of time is non-existent by the assumed standards... And knowledge expands, indefinable by words, like watercolour kissed by rain. Meditation blends the workings of all sectors of the mind and soul simultaneously. As the little girl grew, nature's canvas painted places of fascination and worship with secret joys and knowledge. Intuitively, she became somewhat in sync with her father's feelings about organized religion. While her mother sort of pictured the family together every Sunday morning, sitting prettily in church, her father resisted the efforts. It's just superstition, he'd argue, as scenes within his heart and soul clawed against the present life, crying for mercy. A jungle closed. Dark, unmoving, men held their breath. Fear gripped the hairs on the back of their necks. Pop! A shot rang out. All hell broke loose. An enemy tank trembled through the thickets before them. Fuck! Get down! He grabbed the shirt of a young boy in his platoon who had begun reciting a desperate prayer. Our father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The missile launched. The boy evaporated. Only a scrap of fabric remained within her father's grasp. Her mother, though, thoughtfully urged that no matter what he thought, it was important for the family to have a structure, a unity. But I don't have a belief, he said. Then you need to pretend you do, if only for the children. Her father's belief in religion changed dramatically while he was in Vietnam. As a young officer, he watched the men in his platoon stand beside him, one moment full of life and the next instant, dead. While serving his tours, he kept a small black notebook with the names of the men in his platoon who were killed. When the tours ended, he travelled all over the country to meet each of their parents, sharing stories of their sons, hoping to help heal their pain. It didn't matter to him which religion each soldier had professed to believe in, for God played no favourites. Just thinking of what he went through and all those who were hurt and killed... By abhorrent comparison, her father was lucky, wounded, but for all appearances, not maimed or crippled. His injuries, though, ran deeper than scar tissue. He suffered a delayed reaction that after several years drove him inevitably to repeatedly relive the ordeal on the Ferris wheel in his mind. His dreams were filled with screams, with cries for help and the horrors of fighting and killing with his own hands. His frustration with organized religion grew when he'd watched men praying desperately for their lives to be spared. He was not about to teach his children this false hope. He would let them find their own faith through their own needs and experiences. The little girl watched the changes in her father with a sort of curiosity and started to make notes of the tiniest, subtlest changes that would occur behind his eyes. The tiny pings of his uncertainty or fear translated into behaviors that created intense moments of unrest in his life and for those around him. He did all he could to hold on to any semblance of a normal life he grabbed tightly to everything he thought he could control and in doing so he began to tide with obsessive behaviors developing domineering and manipulative personalities and caught himself before violence took over it was on a night when one of her father's episodes was ruling the silence of the house that she tried not to fall off the roof of their home in portland Her teeth clenched a hold of her nightgown's hem, which served as a makeshift sling to hold the glass jar protecting a blue envelope. This allowed her to use both hands to climb down the tree just outside her parents' bedroom window. As soon as her toes felt the cool ground, she took off through the night with the light of the harvest moon guiding her. The woods of Tryon Creek Park were just a mile down the lane. She'd never ventured out alone after dark before, especially into the woods where shadows prowled, helping the bandits and monsters mill about their lives. This letter was important, though, and needed to be mailed as soon as possible at the pine tree near the abandoned shack. The rain started up again, and the moss-covered stones next to the creek filled with water and offered no traction for hurried feet. She flew onto the ground, catching herself before the creek did. But the falling and skinning her knees wasn't the worst sting. It was losing the jar. She couldn't see anything in the dark by the rocks because the amplified forest sounds hitting her ears were blinding her eyes. Twigs snapped, leaves broke, and the owl said something to encourage a quickening stride all the way back to the house, up the tree to leap across her room and place her warily back into bed.